Welcome to Cybercast, decoding today's cybersecurity issues. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Did you know that once upon a time, federal agencies didn't know how many people or devices were connected to their networks? Almost a decade ago, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, launched a special program to address this. The Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, or CDM for short, helps federal agencies take stock of every person and device connected to their networks. Once that's done, CDM helps federal agencies secure their networks and protect their data. Today, the woman who helped launch the CDM program is here to talk about how the program got started, how it's going, and what's next for securing the .gov enterprise. Betsy Kulik is the Deputy Program Manager for CDM at CISA. Betsy, welcome to the program. Thank you. So I'd love to start today's episode off with you telling us a little bit about what the CDM program at CISA is. Well, that would be my pleasure. CDM is the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program that is located under the CISA Aegis. And it is a program that provides a consistent approach for information security, continuous monitoring of IT assets at federal civilian agencies. So we operate with, as I said, the federal civilian agencies, not DOD, not the Intel community. And we were given funding beginning in 2012, centralized funding by Congress with agreement with the OMB that they wanted us to help by automated tools, continuous monitoring sensors, dashboards and integration services to scan for and prioritize cyber threats and weaknesses within agency systems and networks in an effort to try to standardize some of the tools that were across the dot, as we call it, the dot gov. And the, the program's objectives are to deliver relevant, timely, and actionable information to federal cyber personnel across the organizational tiers, the executives, the mission, and the operational people as well. That's in a nutshell what CDM is. And as I said, we've been in operation since 2012. I'd love to hear the background of how CDM got started at CISA, the events leading up to the establishment of the program, what the backstory is, what were the types of problems that you guys were facing that led you to develop the program, and then how you in particular were assigned to this project. Well, when we started the CDM program, then as now, the federal .gov space was and is under attack by a variety of actors, daily, continuously, 24-7. FISMA was established in 2002, the Federal Information Security Management Act, to try to help agencies address cyber vulnerabilities that had built up gradually as people deployed networks security was sometimes the last thing they considered. And so since 2002, the Congress had tried to keep the agencies and get them on a better path with regard to continuous monitoring. But as a result, agencies had a very hodgepodge approach. Highly federated agencies, for example, like DHS or Health and Human Services, often had separate operating divisions, components that had different networks they had their own lines of budget, then they all used different security monitoring tools. So the approach that OMB and the Hill wanted was to try to get agencies to take a more enterprise approach, a more whole of department approach. They thought that would be more effective because an enterprise approach allows CIOs 
and CISOs to have better visibility across their agencies. An enterprise approach, a whole of agency approach, allows economies of scale, which gets attractive pricing, always important in terms of on times of constrained budgets, and help achieve efficiencies in terms of labor and training and support. So we wanted to build on what had been started in 2002 in terms of, of using COTS tools to help agencies manage better manage their IT assets. And that was the genesis of the program. Um, key to that was having a dashboard that would pull all that information together and allow agencies to use that information in an operational manner. I got involved in it because that year I had happened to become a Fed after years of supporting DHS as a contractor and was in the right place at the right time, frankly. They were looking for somebody to help from a program perspective, and there were only one or two of us that were actually on the program. So it was kind of a fun time. It was like starting up in a garage somewhere. Yeah, you did. I'm actually interested in hearing like what happened when the program was being conceived and was being talked about and how are you approached? Like did they come up to you and say, Betsy, we want you in charge of this program. We think you're going to be a really good fit for this. Oh, it was not so personal. <laughs> no, it was truly serendipity. I had joined this one particular entity within, at the time, I think it was MPPD, and was a brand new Fed with a different, not a full portfolio. And the leader at the time, John Stroybert, had managed to get approval for and funding for the program in 2012. And I have a background in IT security and policy. Um, I had spent a lot of time working on the nexus of those two issues, IT security and policy for the previous, I guess, eight or 10 years with DHS. And so I had a kind of a, a nice background that fit into trying to put the framework around the program and then actually try to, to implement it. Gotcha. You mentioned that before the CDM program started, there was a hodgepodge approach between the different agencies. And you specifically mentioned HHS having their own approach to kind of what the CDM program addresses. Can you talk a little bit about what the different agencies were doing in terms of trying to manage their assets and their networks and then how the CDM program specifically addressed those things in a much more cohesive and efficient way? As I kind of alluded to, the last, I suppose, 10, 20 years, agencies had to build networks to meet mission requirements. And again, security was considered, but sometimes not at the top of the list. And individual components or operating divisions within agencies frequently, as I said, had their own budgets. They have their own line of appropriations from the Hill, which naturally gave them the authority to go ahead and buy whatever tool that their leaders really wanted to be used for information security monitoring. And that was good at the time, but it was realized with the kind of cyber attacks that we were facing, we needed a more unified approach. Plus, it's really expensive to do that. You've got no way for economies of scale. And in addition, you've got pockets of labor that are really good on one tool in one place. And another part of the agency has labor that's trained for a different tool. Frequently what that resulted in, because FISMA required centralized monitoring of what was going on with the agencies, so agencies with their disparate tools would have to collect all that information, most often putting into spreadsheets, which is nowhere close to automated, 
and then somebody up at the top would have to combine all these spreadsheets. And it gave you probably a not, well, we know it was not an accurate reflection of actually the assets that any agency was actually trying to manage. So we wanted to build on the COTS tools that were already available, uh, commercial off-the-shelf tools that were based on that, where we're not about to do government tools here. We wanted to use the excellent commercial tools that were available, but standardize them a little bit so that we would get a whole-of-agency approach and avoid some of the spreadsheets and the manual accounting that had gone on. So in order to do that, though, we needed to look at it from an agency perspective. Depending on how you count it, there's 280 or 300 different departments and agencies throughout the federal government. Some of them are small, non-CFO Act agencies. Some of them are mammoth, like DHS, HHS, USDA, VA are, are large. But we couldn't define an acquisition approach that would be able to just buy tools for all those different agencies. So we had to take a whole of agency approach to this, an enterprise approach, and come up with an acquisition vehicle that would allow us to combine those agencies into groups to get some economies of scale and be able to help them finally take an enterprise approach, at least with regard to some of these cybersecurity tools. You mentioned there were certain types of cyber attacks that government agencies were facing that required a unified approach, a whole of agency approach, and not just a whole of agency approach, but a whole of .gov approach, right? Can you talk a little bit about what types of cyber attacks CISA was seeing that made CISA think we need a whole of government approach and a whole of the .gov community security approach to solving this problem? I don't think I could really distinguish particular attacks that were happening in 2012 versus today. The, the attacks, I guess, were a little bit more simple last, you know, eight years ago. They've increased in sophistication. But one of the things that we knew that we recognized back in 2012 was that we had lots of assets out there that nobody was managing. So when a vulnerability was released in 2013, for example, on uh, Microsoft or Oracle or whatever, it was hard for agencies to know did we even have it? If we do have it, how much of it do we have? Where are all those potentially vulnerable targets in our agency? That kind of fundamental information was really seriously lacking. Pockets of that existed. Individual system owners clearly knew what they had, but there was not a way that the CIO up at the top level could be sure that he had necessarily patched everything for even regular Microsoft Patch Tuesdays. So from a fundamental basis, that was what we were, that was the ground basis of what we wanted to do is get in and make sure you can't manage stuff you don't know that you don't have. And so we needed to get asset management, hardware asset management established across the .gov, followed shortly behind by software asset management, because who's accessing those assets is just as important about whether or not you're controlling them. And those kinds of capabilities are just as important today as they were back in 2012. Just as an example, in terms of hardware asset management, when we pulled the groups together for the acquisition vehicles, we put them into groups, we had to come up with a way to convey to the system integrators at least a basis for how, much, how many assets were out for each agency. And we put those in reading rooms, they were used as the basis for the proposals. We awarded the proposals, and then the system integrators went out and actually began deploying the tools, and in some cases discovered some agencies had underestimated their total asset count by 200%. They had no idea, in some cases, how many assets they actually owned. Those assets, if they're not 
identified are clearly not being protected or patched when the time comes. So we still have patching issues even today. In 2020, CISA has issued two, I think, emergency directives having to do with some big vulnerabilities that have been released that needed to be patched instantly. And the approach that we took in 2020 when we released those emergency directives, it was much easier for the agencies this year to be able to patch than there had been from them in 2013. For example, in 2020, we did the first emergency directive, and within 10 days, more than 2 million devices had been patched across the .gov. That kind of response would not have been possible without CDM having allowed their whole-of-agency approach to managing those hardware assets. So CDM solves a really big visibility problem, right? Yes. And the more agencies are getting used to and getting full deployment of those CDM tools across their agency, the more data they're going to have. So I think we're going to see in the next few years a real leap in both agency and CISA understanding of the visibility of the IT assets across the .gov. In some cases, we don't even know how much information we're now going to be able to have. So we're, we're still on the learning track of that, but we've made great headway in terms of hardware asset management and also user account management from the identity perspective. Both of those are two fundamental capabilities that CDM provides. And then we've got network security management and data protection management capabilities that we're also rolling out. What were some of the challenges that your team faced in the beginning of the CDM program? And what are some of the challenges that you are still facing right now? The first thing we had to figure out was how we were going to combine agencies into acquisition groups. That was a daunting task, and we tossed around different possibilities about putting everybody into one, which was clearly not going to work, or dividing them up. And so, as you may or may not know, we divided them up into acquisition groups. DHS is its own separate one because it's highly federated, and we thought we'd get out and learn some lessons with our home agency first. Then we set up five more groups, combining agencies that were somewhat similar in both their mission and their IT maturation and their size. So one group, what we call Bravo, has got DOI in it, VA, USDA. Another group has somewhat slightly smaller agencies that were far more sophisticated in in some of their approach to IT. Then we put the non-CFO Act into their own group to provide CDM services from a, a shared services platform. But we had to figure all this out, and we had to figure out how to get information out of those agencies. There was no real structured communications set up to feed this information into us so that we could then make sure that the system integrators who were bidding on it had sufficient insight into what they were bidding on so that we would have viable proposals. As I said, we ended up having physical reading rooms and each bidder was allowed, I think, two hours, three people, access to three computers in a proctored room where they were only allowed to take notes. System integrators still shiver when we talk about those days. They were pretty tough. And we had five different proposals going on, not all at the same time, but some of them did overlap. So that caused some resource issues for the system integrators. Then we had to figure out how to do the evaluations of these proposals because DHS couldn't just do it without the agency's involvement. So we needed to get the agencies involved to send a representative to be available to look at the uh, proposals and make decisions and do the evaluation. And these proposals were, we got numbers of proposals, so they lasted more than a few weeks in some cases. So it was quite a time commitment. But it worked 
the agencies, groups that we set up in 2013 are still in the same groups now. It's a different acquisition vehicle. The first acquisition vehicle, we set up our own, a blanket purchase agreement, and that was very limiting. Each one was limited to one capability within CDM. We had um, probably naive ideas about how long it was going to take. So they were two-year, I remember maybe three-year periods of performance. It takes a long time for agencies to uh, be able to deploy some of these tools. It's not just done overnight. So we had some limitations in our original acquisition vehicles that we have since addressed under the DEFEND order, which I can go into if you'd like to hear about that. Absolutely. I would love to hear about that. What we did with DEFEND was to, first of all, allow all the capabilities to be provided under this. As I said, the first blanket purchase agreements were limited to specific capabilities under DEFEND, which is where we are now. All the CDM capabilities can be funded and provided by the system integrator. They have much higher contract ceilings, so we have flexibility as agency requirements change to increase or decrease work within that particular DEFEND group. We've got mechanisms in there for agencies themselves to fund activities. So while we have our capabilities, there are other agencies that are interested in either aspects or doing it in a different manner that they would like to fund themselves. So the DEFEND contracts allow that as well. And did I say that they're six years? So they've got a far longer period of performance. So that gives huge flexibilities to agencies. If they're not quite ready, for example, to do uh, full-scale identity and access management right now, there's still time to do it sometime in the future when it better matches what their requirements are. Yeah. Can you tell me about the role of zero trust and data analytics within the CDM program? and how Zero Trust and data analytics have helped the CDM program really just snowball into the security powerhouse that it is today? Well, I don't think we're quite to a powerhouse stage yet. I think we're a little bit um, not quite so ambitious, but um, Zero Trust has become an activity, a capability of heightened interest over the last two years. As a result of the OPM breach in 2015, the program was given money to focus on data protection activities Back in 2018 and since then, there's been within the cyber community a keen focus on data as opposed to perimeters, as opposed to clouds, as opposed to networks. It's the data that needs to be protected. Zero trust is a part of that. It's fairly complicated. Unfortunately, you don't just buy a single tool and voila, you've got zero trust. So we are working still with our agencies, all of whom are highly interested in moving to a zero trust approach for their network assets. But it's that's something that still is taking time and we still have to work with the agency to get the right architecture. But we're establishing it in particular to help as agencies are moving to the cloud, which they're moving faster than I think anybody had originally anticipated. Certainly it's one of the benefits of COVID. I think it's given added impetus to agencies to get to the cloud and zero trust is very much a part of that. In terms of the data analytics, that's that's not really part of the CDM program. Beyond the fact that our federal dashboard and our agency dashboards receive a lot of data from all the cyber tools that are feeding into it. And so this year we're moving to a new dashboard platform that is far more scalable and able to accept the massive amounts of data that we're getting. I, I will say that in 2012, then as now, we had anticipated having agency dashboards and a federal dashboard. Federal dashboard, we get the summary information. We had concerns about the volume and the ability of the platform we had selected to be able to work in that environment. But even we had not estimated fully 
the volume of data that's coming up from the tools to the agency and the federal dashboard. So we have since switched to a different dashboard concept that we believe is going to be far more robust and able to scale much better. And that they offer huge data analytics capabilities for the agencies within those dashboards at their level and then up at the CISA level from a federal perspective. What are the lessons learned from the CDM program since 2012? And how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected that? I think the best thing is, I think I've alluded to, the lesson learned is that taking a whole of agency approach is worth it. It's hard. It's complicated technically. It's challenging from a programmatic and a policy perspective. It changes organizations, organizational development, requires people to take different approaches. And so that has been challenging. But as I said, I think in the long run worth it. We have seen renewed interest in completing some of the CDM capabilities because of COVID. Agencies realized that given the sudden dispersal of all of their laptop assets out scattered to the wind, so to speak, that cloud security was increasingly important and it couldn't be managed necessarily as effectively on a component by component basis. It would benefit from a .gov or a .agency perspective. And I think that has been, if, if there's a silver lining, that's, I guess, a tiny silver lining about it. Renewed interest in that enterprise approach and cloud security and making sure that identity and user access is managed properly because, again, assets are, are scattered to the wind. And so you need to be sure that you're controlling who has access to which one of your assets. Going forward, what does CISA hope the CDM program can accomplish or make significant headway in over the next couple of years now that asset and identity management is starting to get under control at different federal agencies who are using the CDM program? What CISA does is it leads a national effort to defend critical infrastructure, which clearly includes the .gov, against the threats of today while working with partners throughout government and the private sector to secure against the evolving risks of tomorrow. We've got the fundamentals in place or are about to get it in place. So now we need to refine our processes really move more quickly in terms of patching now that we have the tools out there that can help us identify where the assets are so we can better protect those assets. I think we will be able to learn and better manage identities and user accounts, which will help both from an insider threat perspective, as well as from basic, you know, making sure people just don't inadvertently make a mistake and have access to the wrong thing and make a mistake in there. We need to be able to help agencies better operationalize the data that they're now having access to. And we'll be working with the agencies over the next year and a half, both to make sure that the data the dashboards are getting is accurate and reliable, and for them to really be able to use that information and have better insights into what's going on down within their own networks in an effort to really secure better for tomorrow so that we're we're not constantly reacting and we're finally being a little proactive and setting up defenses, possibly even before they're needed and then therefore avoiding a potential problem. We have time for one more question. And the last thing I'd love to hear from you today is what are you most proud of, of the CDM's progress so far as one of the people who has helped manage and drive this program from the very beginning? You're probably going to think I'm a broken record, but I'm going to go back to this enterprise approach. 
I feel really strongly that that's the best way for agencies to secure themselves, for CIOs and CISOs to be able to take steps that will be meaningful and will be impactful and will actually protect their networks. Without an enterprise approach, I don't see it happening. And the fact that we have made inroads, they have been painful. It's been many years in coming, but we finally, I believe that we've got agreement on the part of agencies that this is the right way to go. There's still some quirks to work out. The move to cloud is going to help it, I think. But it's that being able to take the agency view and then ultimately now because CISA exists, persisted to take a .gov approach across all those agencies. I think we'll see some really exciting things coming in the next couple of years as both the agency and the CISA officials can really take advantage of all this wealth of data and hopefully be in a much more protected and secure cyberspace. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Betsy. I really loved hearing about the CDM program and your involvement and how you guys have really been focusing on getting that visibility across federal agencies so that they can secure their networks. It sounds like you guys are making amazing progress and doing a really great job. So thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, well... (laughs) I don't know how amazing it is. I know that there are many people that feel that we don't move fast enough, but we couldn't have gotten where we were without the help of the system integrator, certainly, and with complete support on the part of the agency. So we've really developed a great partnership over the last eight years um, during this program. And I think that's been exciting to see, too. So we're, we're all very optimistic for the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Betsy. Really appreciate your time today. And thank you for coming on CyberCast. Well, thank you for inviting us. Appreciate it. Thanks to CISA and people like Betsy, federal agencies are getting better and better at defending their networks. They're cataloging their assets and adopting a unified, top-down approach to cybersecurity. Federal networks of the future will use CDM to guarantee their networks are unassailable. To hear more about what's happening in the constantly evolving world of federal cybersecurity, subscribe to CyberCast and stay up to date on the latest cyber trends and insight. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. CyberCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.